Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It was one of those stories that stops you in your tracks. For women up and down the country, it's a scenario we all fear. A young woman goes missing on her way home, and with an awful inevitability, days later, a man is charged with her kidnap and murder. It almost felt a little bit like deja vu. I was writing about the sort of outpouring of women telling stories and kind of thinking, well, we have been here before, though. What's going to change this time? But what happened next was different. As women gathered to pay their respects at a peaceful vigil, the police moved in to make arrests. It looked really horrendous. This was so utterly predictable. The question will be, was the commissioner herself involved? What went wrong that night? And what does it mean for the police and for women's rights? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Sarah Everard, how her vigil galvanised a movement. I arrived at Clapham Common at about just after 6pm on the evening. It was crowded. Emma Yeomans is a reporter for The Times. Walking from the station, I got off a stop early to walk through. You could see queues outside all the supermarkets. That was the first thing I noticed. And they were sold out of flowers. And so as we approached the common, it was really busy. There were a lot of people walking up. When I arrived, it was still peaceful. But it, that mood disappeared very quickly. Was there a moment when you felt like the atmosphere had changed? Yeah, because when I arrived, there was a really powerful speech going on about how women were told to stay off the streets. But we suddenly stopped hearing the speaker and we stopped hearing the call and response she was doing with the crowd. It took a while for me to get to the front, and before that, we couldn't see what was happening other than at the front, people were booing and there were shouts of shame on you. And then we started to see police trying to get up onto the bandstand and we heard people stop talking. Because more police came through that quite tightly packed crowd, you could see scuffles between them. And actually, one thing I think I want to stress is that it was scuffles between police and a few male protesters, which really changed the atmosphere as well in itself. So I and the women I was with, we were sort of knocked into by one of these scuffles. I think I ended up on the ground. And that got really, really tense because we were a vigil for violence against women and here we were being sort of knocked over. There was a real sense of what has gone wrong already. Save our women! 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 Save our women!
Also there, in the crowd at the vigil, was the Times' chief photographer, Jack Hill. Could see the police, couldn't really move on the bandstand as the police were sort of trying to clear it. And then it cleared largely on the bandstand and it was calm and I could see there were still, I didn't realise it was three women, but there were still some women on the bandstand surrounded by police. I couldn't hear what was saying, but conversation seemed fairly robust. And then it was at that point that you saw there was quite a commotion. Jack took the defining image of that night, just in time to make the front page of the Sunday Times the next morning. A young woman with red hair is pinned to the ground by police, her hands cuffed behind her back. We now know her name, Patsy Stevenson, a 28-year-old physics student. She was looking straight down the lens at Jack. And as I turned, I saw the young woman who I now know to be Patsy Stevenson being thrown quite heavily to the ground and then police officers jump on top of her. Yeah, it happened right in front of me. And I thought, I've got to take a picture. And I could see as the flash was going on, she was looking at the camera uh, and there's quite a, a strong look of defiance in her eyes. Tell me about that moment. Were, were, you, were you surprised? I was surprised that they arrested people. I wasn't expecting that. I've covered lots of protests, as you can imagine, over the years and seen lots of arrests. And there is, there is a sort of pattern to these things. The police will ask people to move on and say, if you don't move on, we'll arrest you. And I suspect this is what happened. I don't know. I, th I think Miss Ms. Stevenson's spoken about it. I wasn't doing anything. They, they threw me to the floor. They have pictures of me on the floor being arrested. And I'm five foot two and I weigh nothing. And yeah. several police were on my back trying to arrest me. They arrested me in cuffs, dragged me away, surrounded by like 10 police officers. And, and uh, I mean, they, they were quite heavy handed with her. And looking at some of the footage, it looks quite heavy handed. When you take a picture like that, can you tell it's going to become such a huge, iconic image? You know, I've taken lots of pictures of people being arrested over the years, and you know, none none have had the the, the coverage that this has this has had. It's it's not the picture itself. I mean, it's not a it's not a great photo, but it's, it seemed to capture something of the mood. And Emma, you were right in the middle of the crowd. I know you were talking to some of the people there. What were they saying? There was a lot of shock initially at the fact the police were in amongst the crowd at all. Can I just start with your name? Yeah, it's Georgia Ziva. Why did you come out tonight? Um, I just wanted to come to like show support for Sarah and all the other women who get harassed like every day, including myself. Um, yeah, and I think it's a real shame. Like, I don't think it would have been as much of a protest if the police hadn't tried to shut it down in the first place and then they just made it worse and worse. On Sunday, a day after the vigil in Clapham Common, women gathered outside Scotland Yard and then in Parliament Square to protest against the way the police had handled events the night before. Yesterday, police responded! Yesterday. I was there all afternoon and a lot of the women I spoke to said they'd been there, they'd, they'd come back because they'd been so upset and outraged. What was so powerful about that was the number of people who were standing either in front of a crowd with a megaphone or in front of a journalist or in front of a camera and just telling their own stories of violence. There was an 18-year-old girl who stood up in front of the crowd and she'd said she'd been at Clapham and she had to come back and that she was a victim of rape and she was carrying this sign which read, I wasn't asking for it in my pyjamas and I'm not asking for it now. 
And 18 years old, she stood there and told that story. And I think that was, for me, the moment it hit home, it was very, very personal. I just wondered if you would like to describe the last time that you remember feeling scared. I'm just trying to think of the best event. Isn't it awful that there's always a choice? I know. Yes, it is awful. That's Hannah Rogers, fashion writer at The Times. She's 27 and lives in Clapham, a stone's throw away from where Sarah Everard went missing. On Friday, she wrote a piece titled It's Only Luck That It Wasn't Me, or Maybe You, on that Clapham street. I I can think of two things in recent times that I have felt scared and then looked back and thought, why did that scare me? And mm. one occasion was last summer when things opened up a bit after lockdown and we were allowed to go to restaurants. It was in Brixton. Well, it started on a tube carriage on the Victoria Line, a busy tube carriage. And I was just listening to music, probably Taylor Swift, waiting to get off. Got off the tube, didn't notice anything, went up the escalators, got out of the station and noticed that there was a man, sort of middle-aged man, following quite quickly behind me. I turned my music down just as a precaution, but equally I thought, you know, perhaps he's just going in the same direction as me. And he, he was trying to talk to me or get my attention, and I don't feel like he's trying to harm me but he wants something from me. I clearly don't want to give that to him, whether it's a smile or, you know, conversation or my number. In fact, what he did want to know was whether I was single. And I didn't find this out until I got to the restaurant and he was still there. And by this point was being quite persistent about trying to speak to me. And I turned around, took my earphone out and said, excuse me, what do you want? And he said, are you single? Do you have a boyfriend? I said, I do have a boyfriend. And then he was like, well, would you like to go for coffee sometime? And I was like, no. And he was like, I would really like to go for coffee with you. And I said, no. And I was like, I'm going for brunch with my friends. Please, like, go away now. I just walked into the restaurant. But that persistence stayed with me because I clearly didn't want to speak to him. And even then when I gave him a response he didn't want, asking again... I just, it was shocking and yet also not shocking in a way that many women will understand because it happens all the time. We saw ourselves in Sarah. What are some of the conversations you're having with female friends at the moment about that? I mean, you know, at the moment we're on lockdown, walking to be honest is sort of, you know, one of the few freedoms we have left. It's one of the few things you can really do and feel alive. Are you changing your habits? I think we were already policing our behaviour quite a lot. I've spoken to women who have since this case has been being discussed on a national level, have bought rape alarms for themselves. My mum texts me asking if I had a rape alarm or if I carried pepper spray. I don't, but I wouldn't consider going for a walk in the dark. What are the things that you've realised 
you do automatically, day after day, because we all end up fearing the worst? When I was thinking about this for the piece, I realised I've never, I've never thought about the fact that I ask my friends to text me when they get home, when we part ways in mm. the evening. And I do every time. I always ask, please text me when you get home. And on a level, I thought that was a courtesy, just something, you know, you say goodbye, give them a kiss, give them a squeeze and say, text me when you get home. And it isn't that. It's because I'm worried that they might get in the Uber and not get out again. Was there a sense of, you know, looking at Sarah's case, she's clearly the sort of person who, you know, probably does all of those things or did, did all of those things, and yet it still happened. You know, it could, it could have been any of us. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's what you can't, you can't rationalise. There's nothing you could point to and say, that's probably why it happened. And there, there isn't anything that you can cling to, apart from the fact that someone took an opportunity and used it to rob someone of their life. And that means that no one is safe. Coming up, we'll look at what the torrid events of the last week mean for the Metropolitan Police. For more insightful coverage every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. I'm Fiona Hamilton. I'm the Crime and Security Editor for The Times. 
What is the latest on the actual investigation into Sarah Everard's death? So the investigation into her death continues. There's lots going on at the Met, lots of detectives deployed on this inquiry. But of course, we can't say too much about that anymore because a serving police officer has been charged with Sarah Everard's kidnapping and murder. His name is Wayne Cousins. He's 48 years old. He's a serving diplomatic protection officer with the Met. And he appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court on Saturday charged with those offences. Talk me through the last week for the Metropolitan Police. I mean, presumably they must be reeling, you know, firstly with the arrest of one of their own, a police officer, being charged with kidnap and murder. What was the feeling in the Met at that time? I don't think it would be any exaggeration to say that the Met was utterly reeling from top to bottom, from the senior command structure all the way through the ranks to the rank and file officers. There was um, considerable shock, considerable upset, and also a, a lot of anger. You could see it etched on Dame Cressida Dick's face when she did her first television statement. The news today that it was a metropolitan police officer who was arrested on suspicion of Sarah's murder has sent shockwaves and anger through the public and through the Met. She looked shaken at the news and and really who could blame her? I mean, a contact said to me afterwards, she's addressing the public and in the back of her mind she's thinking, I've got one of my own police officers in one of my custody cells accused of this offence. I've covered crime for over a decade and I've never covered anything like that before. By Saturday morning, you already had the public still reeling, you know, the shock being felt across London and beyond. How on earth did Saturday end up unfolding the way it did? I was looking at social media on Saturday night and then, of course, hurriedly switching on the television news to see what was going on at the Common. And I was really very surprised at the images that that unfolded there and the police activity there. Our brilliant photographer, Jack Hill, took that really quite astonishing picture. And that's an astonishing image to be beamed around the country at a time at which... These women are there to mark the memory of a woman allegedly killed by a police officer and raise awareness about violence and issues of harassment and misogyny. I mean, this this woman was was on the ground. There were, you know, police officers over her, arresting her. It looked pretty horrendous. Yeah, it, it, it looked it looked really horrendous. And that's why I was so surprised when I saw it, because my very first thought, in fact, I just said to my partner, how did they not see this coming? This was so utterly predictable. So something has happened to make the police go in the way they did. And my sources told me that they were concerned that things were progressively escalating, that people were starting to chant, that there were speeches, that people were crowding together a bit more. And because they have had the coronavirus pandemic, obviously it is one of the key considerations in their minds, as well as letting these predominantly women express themselves. They've got concerns about infection spreading. I guarantee that every single officer who was policing last night, like me, would rather we were not in a time of coronavirus. And the Silver Commander, who is the senior police officer who is on the ground, uh, has made a call that police officers should intervene at that point. 
Uh, there'll be an independent inquiry by Sir Tom Windsor, who is Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Constabulary, and he will look at all these issues. Was that the right call? Should they have stood back? What justification did they have for moving in? But there is a really important context to this, which is for months, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary in particular, but other members of the government have been urging the police to get tough on the enforcement of coronavirus restrictions. We have seen an uptick in Met enforcement in this area. Now, I'm not excusing what was done in any way because I think that this was a particularly sensitive piece of policing that needed to be carried out in light of what had happened last week. But those are all important considerations for Sir Tom, really. Some of the footage circulating online of Clapham Common is upsetting. So whilst the police are rightly operationally independent, I asked the Metropolitan Police for a report into what had happened. This government backs our police in fighting crime and keeping the public safe. But in the interest of providing greater assurance and ensuring public confidence, I have asked Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary to conduct a full independent lessons learned review. And talk me through, you know, the chain of command, the, the responsibility. Where, where does that lie? You mentioned the silver commander on site. Would they have been the ones who made the call on how policing was handled on the day? So the way it works is for a major event like this, you have a gold commander. In this scenario, that's an officer who is a deputy assistant commissioner at the Met and his name is Matt Twist. He would have written a, a sort of command strategy, a tactical strategy for this protest. It would outline the police objectives, when it might be necessary to intervene, the sensitivities potentially of the protest. And it's the silver commander's role on the ground to make sure the officers deployed are following that strategy. The question really, and it's a question again for Sir Tom Windsor, will be above the command, above Matt Twist, how many people were involved and was the commissioner herself involved? Did she make her feelings known personally to that gold commander on how she would like this particular protest to be policed? We already know that Dame Cressida Dick has staunchly defended her officers and the way they carried out the policing at that vigil. And when it comes to the political side of things, I mean, who there would help shape the police strategy at an event like that? Is it Sadiq Khan? Is it the mayor of London? Or is it the Home Office? Is it Priti Patel who sort of decides how the police should be acting at protests during a period like this? So the vigil on Saturday night is an operational matter for the police, which means it's an operational matter for Cressida Dick and her officers and no one else, supposedly. That's the way these things should work. The system has been set up so that the politicians oversee the Metropolitan Police, they oversee the budget, and they can talk about strategy and have influence on strategies, but they are meant to be completely hands-off operations. There was a moment during the Extinction Rebellion, wasn't there, where the politicians seemed angry that the police were being quite hands-off and often being quite friendly to protesters, and suddenly there was more of a crackdown. While it's supposed to be that the Metropolitan Police Commissioner is on her own operationally and the politicians are hands off, let's face it, the reality of that, it just doesn't always work out like mm. that. You've got Sadiq Khan, the Labour Mayor in City Hall. He's got his own agenda and things that he believes are right. And you've got Priti Patel, the, the Tory Home Secretary, on the completely opposite side of the political spectrum, who also oversees Dick and has 
you know, the final say in her future, really. So politics are completely intertwined with the activities of the senior command at the Met. It's up to a strong leader to try and distance that when necessary. And there have been calls for Dame Cressida Dick to stand down over what happened on Clapham Common. The pressure is clearly still on her. Tell us a bit about her. She's regarded as a popular leader and in any industry, really, a boss who supports their staff is a popular boss who stands up for them and and says these are complex decisions and we might make mistakes occasionally, but everything we do, we do with good intentions. Are you considering your position? No, I'm not. What happened to Sarah appalls me. As you know, I'm the first woman commissioner of the Met. Perhaps it appalls me in a way even more because of that. What has happened makes me more determined, not less, to lead my organisation. That really is her approach to, to virtually every controversy that the Met has been placed in in the last few years. I mean, is there a danger that if you're always loyal to your officers and you're always standing up for them, something like Clapham Common can happen and officers don't necessarily feel the pressure to behave differently on the spot because they feel that somebody's got their back the whole time? Absolutely, that is a danger. I think she would see that in different terms, whereas she has come out and said she welcomes an independent review and the chance to answer questions. Mm. But there's no doubt that if somebody is consistently supporting the the rank and file, they could potentially be blinded to, you know, wrongdoing and matters of concern. The timing of this crisis for the Met couldn't have been more critical. This week, Parliament has been debating the Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill, which includes controversial changes to how and when we can exercise the right to protest, with hefty charges if the new rules are broken. Until now, the measures in the Policing and Crime Bill that were the most focused on were measures about sentencing and a, a perceived crackdown on criminals. But of course, the, the events at Clapham Common at the weekend have really brought the protest elements to the fore. Civil liberties campaigners have warned that it is an attempt to really curb protest to the greatest degree we've seen before in this country. One of the key measures is about the issue of noise. It enshrines noise and noise complaints in this legislation so that police would be able to take account of noise as a reason for shutting down a protest or moving protesters on. Freedom of speech is an important right in our democracy. However, however annoying or uncomfortable sometimes that might be. And I know there will be people who will have seen scenes of protests and will have said, why isn't the government doing something? To which the answer, in many cases, may simply be because we live in a democratic, free society. On Monday, former Prime Minister Theresa May was one of the government's own backbenchers raising concerns about the bill. So there are very important elements of this bill, but I would urge the government to consider carefully the need to walk a fine line between being popular and populist. Our freedoms depend on it. Order. The eyes to the right, 359. The nose to the left, 263. The eyes to the right, 359. The nose to the left, 263. So the eyes have it. The eyes have it. The events of the last week have sparked anger and frustration, which hasn't died down. 
So where does the movement go next? Initially, I think a lot of the most immediate anger will be focused on the crime and sentencing bill because there was a lot of sense that people had been shut down on Saturday and were afraid of that happening again. That's Emma Yeomans again. On Monday afternoon, she went to another protest in Parliament Square as the policing bill was being debated in the House. I think once that particular issue passes, though, it's really hard to know. You know, there was a woman who stood up in front of a crowd and said, it happened to me, I won't let it happen to another woman. And I don't think that anger's going to go away. You know, no discussion in Parliament, no week of news coverage is going to make that anger go away for those women. That sort of new sense of something major and unexpected is happening kicks in and it kind of... It kind of shields you from a lot of what's actually happening. But I yesterday, I think, speaking to this 18-year-old and also listening to another woman who described how her best friend had been murdered in 2017, you know, it was just shaking with the, with the sort of pain of that. She was standing there and just shivering. I think I went home quite shaken by that. That was very hard to listen to. Important to listen to, but hard. Did it make you feel like there needs to be some kind of change? I mean... Ramveen, I'm sure you've felt it as well. Like, you know, we do worry when we walk home. I don't think yeah. it changed that fear. Yeah. You know, I don't think that was new for me as a feeling. But it was it, it was interesting to hear it expressed so publicly because I don't think it normally is. No, it's it's funny, isn't it? You're right. I think everyone's felt it, but it's it's so common. It's like breathing. Mm. Most of the time you don't even acknowledge it. But having a moment where everyone comes together and vents their frustration at it and talks about it, that does feel quite new. Yeah, it felt new, but also there was, certainly last week before things sort of went onto the streets, it almost felt a little bit like deja vu. I was writing about the sort of outpouring of women telling stories on social media and kind of thinking, well, we have been here before though. You know, we had been here before with with the sort of Me Too movement and women telling these stories. And that sense of, you know, what what did that do last time, really, was a kind of question I know a lot of my friends were asking. I know sort of in in chats with women, they're asking, well, we told these stories once before. What's going to change this time? You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Times reporter Emma Yeomans, photographer Jack Hill, crime and security editor Fiona Hamilton, and fashion writer Hannah Rogers. The producers were Asia Fuchs and Sevda Moyasari. The executive producer today was James Shield, and sound design was by Carla Patella. We'll be continuing to follow this story as it unfolds. If there are any others that you want us to look into, or if you have any thoughts about what you've just heard, then please do send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.